0: right here in Wonderland. Welcome back, everyone. I am so excited to be back with you today and for you to hear today's amazing guest. I love her so much, and this episode was so much fun to record, and I'm sure you'll really hear the authenticity of our conversation, getting to know each other when you hear this episode. And I won't keep you waiting long. I'll get right into it, but I just have a couple announcements at the top of the show I want to tell you super quick so number one thank you to everyone who's left a review it's just so helpful and if you want to leave one still that would be amazing and cool and tell your friends to leave one too the more the merrier it helps out the show a ton and yeah it's just amazing to be back weekly thank you to our amazing show producer amanda She's so amazing. If you haven't joined the Facebook crew on Facebook, that's the best way to connect with me and other listeners and other people following the podcast and and talk about and discuss the takeaways that we get from the different episodes. So the link to that is in the show notes as always. Um, So yeah, check out the show notes. It's the best way to get information on everything. So really quick, before we get into today's episode, I have two big announcements that have to do with last week's episode and the week prior to that episode. So really quick, last week, if you recall, or if you listened, and if you haven't, you can go back and listen to this one, Gabrielle Bernstein was on the show, author, speaker, coach, my mentor, my friend. I love her. You probably love her. Anyways, she's awesome. And she has this program, Spirit Junkie Masterclass, which I am a graduate of, and I've participated in the digital version as well. And It's really funny because I didn't even plan this, but the theme of authentically sharing what you're into and finding purpose in your passion and making your passion your profession – and getting paid for doing what you love is a theme that actually comes up in today's podcast that you're about to hear with Jess Moran, um, which is really cool. And I didn't even plan that. But anyways, that's just an awesome um, program that really changed my life when I did it for the first time last year. And I shared about it in last week's episode. But if you are into it if you liked her free videos um, if you liked that podcast episode just a quick reminder that if you do want to sign up you have to sign up by Friday the 9th which is if you're listening to this the day it comes out Wednesday that is this coming Friday the 9th so be sure to sign up by then and use the link in the show notes because that helps support the show. And if you do, you get a free bonus with me, which I will talk to you one-on-one um, to all the people who sign up through me. I really am going to do that. Um, so so yeah, so if you do sign up through me for Spirit Junkie Masterclass, you will get a uh, session with me um, talking about podcasting or coaching or anything that that you want to talk through you can pick my brain um so yeah so that's that cart closes on friday the 9th okay one more announcement so if you will recall two episodes back not the last one but the one prior i had isabel fox and duke on my other friend my other mentor who has really helped me in the aspect of food and emotional eating and physical and mental wellness around food and my body image. She completely changed my life. That program, oh man, you guys, it really had a profound impact on me. And a bunch of you signed up for it, which is awesome. So thank you um, because I just thank yourself because it's really going to help you a lot. Um, but anyways, I'm bringing that up because the cart for that also happens to close on Friday the night. So if you, like me, have struggled with dieting and emotional eating and body image and hating your body and wanting to change your body and constantly trying to change your body and maybe being successful but not really mentally being so healthy, that was the case for me, Um, I really highly suggest checking out this program. Like I've said a million times, and it's like I'm beating a dead horse here, but it really did help me and change me, so that's why I'm so passionate about sharing it. And again, if you want to sign up for that, CART closes on the 9th, so yeah, check it out. Again, I'm an affiliate for that, and use the link in the show notes, and I will be happy to discuss the program with you or help you out with that in any way that you would like. Um, So if you have any questions about either of those, let me know. But without further ado, today's episode with Jess Moran, I know you're going to love it. This This is one of my favorites. It's really authentic, really real, and she's an awesome, awesome person. So enjoy today's episode, and I will talk to you guys soon. I am thrilled today to have Jess Moran, a Chicago-based blogger, plant-based eating coach over at One Part Plant, who I have had the amazing privilege to befriend through the podcast sphere here, (laughs) and we have been trying to make this happen for about a year, and we finally are on the phone together, and so I am so excited. She's a healthy living advocate And honestly, one of the most real, chill, down-to-earth podcast hosts I've ever met. She has such a chill voice and just a really nice um, vibe about her. So I'm so excited to share her with you guys today and share another podcast that that you guys can listen to because she's really awesome. Her story's inspiring and her attitude about everything is really uplifting and I'm so excited to get to know her more, but since she launched her business in 2013, she's spoken at Apple, she's cooked on live TV, she's worked with some of the top chefs, she's filmed a new documentary, she's been in this new documentary, and today she's here in Wonderland stopping by to talk to just us, so thank you so much for coming, Jess.
1: My, uh, I'm now I feel very, a lot of pressure to have a very chill voice, (laughs) (laughs) but thank you for that intro.
0: No, just, yeah. Talk normally. It's it's just your, it's your demeanor. (laughs) I love it. Um, people have said that about me too. I think that, that my voice is on the podcast chill and I was like, I don't know if it's the, I don't know if it's the mic or it's just that I like doing this. So I feel chill when I'm interviewing, but Hopefully, people are in for a treat with like two podcast hosts speaking Too today in our Too chill voice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're all going to be asleep. <laughs> no, it's great. Um, so yeah, let's let's zoom the lens back. And you know, I think sometimes podcasts, and, and you probably have realized this. I listen to a podcast, lots of podcasts, and I record lots of podcasts. So I feel like I'm constantly talking about people's stories, which. Are so beautiful and amazing and, and you know I always say that Steve Jobs quote in like every podcast like you can't connect the dots moving forward you can only do so going back and so it's really fascinating to hear people's stories but sometimes you know I think they can like take up the entire podcast which is great but um, but you know for you and, and people who are interviewed a lot I, I really want to talk about like the things from your story that are kind of the things that you wouldn't expect to bring you to where you are today that that you really picked up on and, and you have such a great story, so I'd love to kind of hear how you got into this and you used to be a stationary designer and just kind of like the progression of of how you got to where you are,
1: yeah, that's funny that you say that because usually my friends are always tell me, "tell your story more because I'll go to a party and they'll say, "What are you doing?" I'm like, "I have a website and a podcast and yeah. they are like Tell more. Yeah. <laughs> so I I definitely kind of keep it brief sometimes. So pull out whatever you want for me. Okay,
0: perfect. Me. That's
1: my favorite. But uh, do it. <laughs> um, but yeah. So I started out. I mean, I studied graphic design. So I had actually I had a stationery store, which a lot of people don't know oh, about. I didn't
0: know that.
1: I mean, oh my gosh, over ten years ago, and then. My partner and I, I had a business partner and we ended up breaking up. And if you've ever had a partner breakup, sometimes it is kind of tricky and doesn't yeah, go that well.
0: I have. So <laughs> I, oh, you have? Yeah, sort of. But yeah, oh, it can, any, everything's, yeah. um, it's all complicated when you, it's just like a breakup of a relationship. It's, yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. And then money is involved. Yeah. And then like a divorce. create it. Yeah, it's like it makes it even more complicated because then you also have creativity involved and then people just get r- real weird. But yeah. uh so we broke up and when that happened, because of the breakup, I really couldn't slash didn't want to do anything stationary related because I just felt so mad about everything and I just I don't know, my heart also hurt a lot too. And so I decided to – then I was at this party and someone asked me if I wanted to do PR and marketing for this entertainment company. And I was like, sure, I've never done that before, but why not? So I did that for a year and when I was doing it, it was just like this is not – my thing at all like it was it was cool because I got to meet a lot of nice people and like had really really neat experiences I was like this isn't it and then I was at another party about a year later and um, I got approached by this guy that uh, was working for this guy that is in a popular band who was had a clothing line and he asked if I wanted to do the creative direction for the clothing line again never did that before but I was like why not yeah so I did that And then we ended up opening up a bar together. And during that whole thing, I was like, this is, I don't want to be doing any of this stuff. So I went back to stationary because I thought that was my comfort zone. And I did stationary again. And I'm like, I hate doing this too. (laughs) So it's when I got really, really sick that I changed my diet. And after I changed my diet, All I wanted to talk about was how food saved my life and changed my life. So then I thought, what if I could have a career in food? Which was super weird because I was a designer. And that didn't seem like something that was possible. But I tried it and it's kind of working. Yeah,
0: it's working (laughs) real well. That's amazing. Um, So did you – when you were so passionate about – healthy living and food and the way that that you really used it to heal you. Did you know at that point um, that you like what talk talk me through the trajectory of when you thought, hey, maybe I'll make this into a business?
1: Well, I don't even think that at first I thought maybe I'll make this into a business. At first, I just thought I have to get this information out there somehow. And so I don't know. It's it, it was. I, I remember this moment, and I don't think I've told this. I, I hate repeating stories over and over again, yeah. so like someone hears me on another thing. But I don't think I've told this story yet. That's so.
0: what I. That's why I said you know because I know that like for me and a lot of people that I interview, they have to tell their story so many times. So that's why I said that you know, feel free to tell it you know in a new way. So I love this. yeah this yeah. Way. So I I
1: I was on the couch. <laughs> My husband was out of town. And I just remember just thinking, what is my thing? What is my thing? What is my thing? And I was Googling Peace Corps things. Like your your
0: purpose, like your passion? Yeah, like or just like,
1: I guess, and maybe this is good or bad, and maybe, I don't know, I've always felt like I wanted my job to also be my passion. Yeah. And I think that gets a little tricky sometimes. Mm -hmm. But because when I did paper goods, it's, that was my passion, and it was also my job. So I think I was looking for another job yeah. slash passion. Yeah, like you you had a taste of that, so then you yeah. kind of like – Yeah. So I don't know. I even had like the Peace Corps application pulled up on my computer, and then I like started filling it out, and I was like, "What? what am I doing? Like I can't just leave <laughs> – my husband and we were wanting to start a family soon. And I'm like, I can't just leave. So then I was looking at other volunteer opportunities. But I don't know if you know, but volunteering is kind of expensive if you want to do it in another yeah. country. It's like you're paying to volunteer. Right. I don't know. I don't know if you've looked into that.
0: And your time, you know, you have to, yeah. You have to travel.
1: Yeah. So I was like, I can't, I don't, I can't do any of things, but I just, all I wanted to do, I've all my, my whole life I've known that all I wanted to do was to help people. But mm. I was always too sensitive to, this is going to sound, I don't know this sounds horrible, but I was always too sensitive to say like work at a homeless shelter because I take it home with me right. and I would want to save everyone there. Or let's say work, with disabled children, I don't think that I could go home and be able to function and not mm-hmm. feel the. I don't know. I just am very sensitive that way. So yeah. I was just trying to think like, how can I help people in a way that I'm not going to be too sensitive? Keeps
0: yourself <laughs> safe. Yeah, you seem yeah. like you're pretty em- empathic. You know, like yeah. very yeah. empathetic to people.
1: So I thought, what if I could do it with food? So – because it changed my life and so I started doing a little research and I found – I mean I'm obsessed with T. Colin Gamble. I don't know if people have seen Forks Over Knives but he's the main main dude in that movie. And I found that he taught a – or he has a program, a plant-based nutrition certification program. Because I thought, if I'm going to start helping people with food, I can't just say, well, food helped me. I feel like I needed to know the science behind it. And I feel like I needed to know, I don't know, more of the logistics of how it actually works. Mm -hmm. So I took that course. And all I knew was that I was going to take that course. And that my main goal was to start a restaurant program in Chicago, because of all my design and marketing experience, I had worked with so many restaurants and I thought, what if I could go to these restaurants and ask them if they could have at least one plant-based option on their menu? That's so cool. Because plant-based food is what helped me. And so that's all I knew I wanted to do was take this course and then start a plant-based food restaurant program. And then it just all sort of went from there. And I didn't, I didn't think I'd make money from it. I just thought, that I wanted to do it.
0: Right, which is so interesting and so telling to your success, I believe, because I found that um, so many people, you know, going into things, like when you're just authentically living your passion, eventually, you know, the universe is just like, all right, this is actually something that you can support yourself with. But I think going into it with that sense of like that that need, that needy energy—like I have to make money at this—you know that that's unattractive, and and people can pick that up, and they don't want to, um, they don't want to pay for that sort of service. But when you're just in your highest truth, just like vibing at a high level, doing what you love, it just comes back to you. It, it can't help but do that. And so, I love that. And the thing I really want to pick up on in your story is what you did for um, the restaurant industry and culture in Chicago. And I think, you know, I'm also Midwestern, and it's a different um, – I would love to talk about the culture of Chicago in relation to plant-based living and, and um, just healthy living in general. I think that, you know, it's it's maybe – it's obviously changed a lot, and you helped really change that landscape. But how does it um, – Compared to you know like L.A. or New York or some of these other bigger cities who, that where there's so many more options and there's seems to be more of a need for that. You kind of created that um, where you lived. Can you talk about that a little bit? And did you yeah grow up in Chicago or did you um, have no? You I
1: kind of I kind of grew up everywhere. My stepdad was in the military, so. When people ask where I'm from, I'm like, uh, California, North Carolina, Virginia. Like, I don't even, it's hard to say where I'm from. But I didn't, you know, even when I grew up, I I went to high school for a couple of years in California and I was a total goth, like, wore all black, hated the sun. So, (laughs) I mean, I definitely wasn't, you know, trying to connect with anyone there. But I don't know. I, I think that when I go to LA, I spend, so much money because the I just basically eat the whole time that I'm there at all of the restaurants because in Chicago even though it has gotten better
0: Slim I mean
1: d- yeah and it's you know and there's definitely I mean we have Chicago Diner which is their tagline is meat, three, meat free since 83 so I mean there's some like hardcore old school vegan restaurants mm-hmm. here I mean like two but I don't necessarily want always – it's diner food. It's like I don't want a deep-fried Oreo. Like I want
0: whole foods. Like I want the kind of food. It just happens to have not meat.
1: Yeah, exactly. And and I think that wasn't – changing my diet was not about not eating meat. It was about eating whole food. So when I go to L.A., It's like Gracias Madre and Sage and Cafe Gratitude and there's all these places and there's nothing like that in Chicago. Like there's zero things like that. So
0: are we going to see one of those restaurants soon? I hope. But I think that – There seems to be more of a demand growing and I see that where I live as well. Yeah.
1: There's more of a demand. And I think that, you know, with the restaurant program for me, what I would tell the chefs is I would say, look, when you eat this way, you're not looking to get 20 options. You just want to come to a restaurant and get one. Mm-hmm. So I think approaching it that way with the chefs and also telling them, you already have all these ingredients anyway. Right. All you have to do is just make them in a different way because you've got a shit ton of vegetable. Am I allowed to say shit? Yes, Sorry. You've got a crap ton of vegetables in in the back there. like Just fix it up in a new way and minus the butter. And, you know, there was a couple of chefs that said no and then they came back to me and said yes. There's a demand for it. Yeah, I think they started seeing the demand and I think that for them it just makes it easier. When you get a vegan, and not to dis annoying vegans, but when you get someone that's going to be super nitpicky and dissecting the menu and It's just nice just to have an option ready for them as opposed to like having to like scramble in the back of the kitchen to try to make something. So yeah, I mean it's changing slowly. It's it's been really fun though to to see the change and you know, my husband and I I wanna move to a warmer place really bad. I don't know if anyone listening to this lives in Chicago or has been to Chicago recently, but it's brutally cold here and Well, I I
0: can speak for myself, and I live (laughs) nearby, and I, too, want to move to a new warm place.
1: (laughs) But I don't know about you. It's interesting because when I think about, you know, LA would be awesome to move to, but everything that I'm trying to do is already there. It's already happening. And I kind of want to move to a place where I can help change things a little bit more and not just, you know, be another – I don't know – a. Smaller, fish. a bigger fish. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah that's interesting because I speak about that a lot. Um, I live in Detroit, as you know, and from here, you know, I, I always say that like I feel really needed with what I do, you know, because, you know, if I was to move to California or to um, a bigger city or to, you know, even like Boulder or just like these places where, you know, everybody meditates everybody's into spirituality like i'm not like the weird kind of unique thing like i am here and same thing with you it's like it's it's an interesting thing because it really gives us a platform to build because i i used to get really frustrated that there weren't a ton of um great healthy restaurants here and so excited when i was in a big city visiting um but then when i came back here i was like you know it's, it's awesome that i feel so needed here so i totally understand um what you're talking about there, and I think it's great that Chicago has you and had you for the time that it, it did to, to really um, watch these things change, but I think the more that they become so much more prevalent in, in, you know, not just the landscape of food, but all sorts of other kind of fringe things as they become more mainstream in the big cities and so commonplace, like, it just inevitably comes out to these other areas, which is really awesome to witness.
1: Yeah. And I think, too, I didn't want to I I do want to go back to you saying, you know, it's when the universe you put it out there and with these restaurants wanting to work with me. I also think it's really smart to be strategic about what you think, let's say, this restaurant or this client or someone that you're going after once, because I didn't approach these restaurants and say, you know, you can change the world and make people healthier. I went after them and I said, look, you can get a lot of cool PR opportunities out of this. Yeah, You know what I mean? So I think that it's when you're doing these types of things or you're trying to make changes, I think that it's important or it's important to me to kind of scale back some of the – not scale back your beliefs but really go into it and say this is why it could be cool for you Yeah, because – a lot of people don't care about meditation a lot right. of people don't care about how good food can change your life but they do care about
0: the bottom line
1: the bottom line and getting more pr and Exposure. getting more attention so i think that half and half i think half of the chefs i approach were like oh my gosh my sister, my daughter, mm-hmm. my brother has a similar situation. I would love to help. And other people are like, yeah, let's get on the news. We can get some more press for this. Oh, yeah. So,
0: And either way, it's a win for the movement.
1: Exactly. Yeah. So I think in the whole wellness world, sometimes I – and I think that's why I have been able to be successful is I haven't gone at it, gone at it with a super woo-woo holistic approach.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I kind of just go at it with like – all right, here's the deal,
0: which I love, you know, and I think there's not enough of that. And it, it doesn't ra- really matter like what your approach is because your intention, the, intention's the intention, the intention is, is good. And, and that's, and that's why I think it works. And you're, that's just a smart choice to be able to do more, which is awesome.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And then I just kind of keep that other stuff to myself.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that's amazing. So, um, so take us up kind of to the present, and you've recently become a mother. And so I would love uh. to talk about how um, <laughs> motherhood has changed you and what kind of things that that's done for you. But also, you know, being an entrepreneur and a mother, you kind of have two babies. So um, could you talk about that a little bit and the way that you your life kind of has changed in these last few months?
1: Yeah, I mean, it definitely changed because. I uh my son is adopted and we got called about him on a Monday and we picked him up on Wednesday. So a lot of that dropping yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: A lot of the planning that you have to do when you give birth or you know, I didn't really have. So all of a sudden I still had all these meetings and I still have all these projects and I didn't have any childcare or anyone to help me. So it definitely was at first a little transition of figuring out exactly how it was going to work. And I don't know. It's it's funny because people keep on – a lot of people ask me how my life has changed or women just like to say, well, your life is going to change. Like people like to tell mm-hmm. you what's going to happen. I don't know. It's It's definitely – I don't have as many hours I would feel in the day, but I don't really feel like my life has changed that much. That's and great I to hear.
0: I like that. <laughs> yeah,
1: and I don't – and I mean ask me when like Sid is like driving or something. Like it might yeah. be a completely different thing. But it's just been kind of cool because I think that – and maybe it's because I didn't give birth and I didn't go through the hormonal changes and I didn't breastfeed and – but I just kind of feel like it's like me, but with a baby now.
0: Yeah, which is so cool.
1: Yeah. Um, I hope, I mean, it's, there's probably moms out there who are like, don't even say your life didn't change. I mean, I'm sure it has, but I just don't feel that different, you know?
0: Right, which is really good to hear because I think that, um, you know, for young people who just, you know, aren't even like, for me, like, motherhood is something that you know you like sort of consider but like at my age I'm just not even really like thinking about it at the point of my not my age but like the point in my life that I'm in and um but I think a big fear that people have before they even like start considering it is like oh my life's gonna change a ton and I'm not gonna be the same person that I am and like it seems really fun and cool but like uh, I don't know. And to, I think it's good to hear another side of it because you're right. Like there's so many people saying like everything changes, blah, 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 blah. So it's good to – I love that. Like you're yourself with a baby and that's inspiring I think. So it's good well, to hear I another side of it.
1: Also want to tell you, Katie, that two weeks before we actually found out about him, I had a breakdown in my friend's car in front of my house about how I wasn't sure about – Wanting to be a mom because my life was going to change. So
0: it's yeah. like, so See, it's there like, you go. Like, it's I had that there. deep
1: fear of it. Just, I don't want to say destroying my life. That's an awful thing to say. Right, but, but I loved my life pre baby. Mm-hmm. Like, I loved it. And I think that, I think there's a lot of people that might be maybe they're not super happy with what they're doing and a baby kind of like comes and it kind of makes it more fun and more interesting and i was and i had so much fear that what if the life that i love is going to yeah. dramatically change and it's not going to be a life i love anymore and so i think i just am so excited that i still love my life
0: <laughs> yeah no that's that's great to hear like thank you for sharing that vulnerable moment because um because yeah i mean i think that like Every mother to be, um, whatever form that comes in, probably has a moment like that, whether they admit it or not. Or it's that other scenario that you just described, where they're like, "This will fix everything," which I don't really think sounds very healthy, anyway. So, right. Um, so you know, it's it's good to hear that, like, you know, everybody has doubts and resistance, but you know, and and honestly, like. Okay, let me get real. I really yeah. want to adopt a dog, uh-huh. and um, I have the same kind of fears with that. Like, is it the right time? Like, I, I'm starting a business, and the money, and you could have a vet thing happen, and like, it's right. going to be cold to take him out. You know, all these, like, doubts and resistance. So it's like... Um, I, it's it's like what they say about having a baby. It can apply to anything, whether it's like changing careers or whatever. It's like, it's never a good time. At a certain point, you just have to leap and, and trust it's going to be okay. And it sounds like you really did that. And it, it was okay. It all worked out beautifully.
1: And I will say you can always give dogs back. Right. You cannot give babies <laughs> back. <laughs> I had, I have two friends that adopted a dog and it was a, it was a dog that came from a very bad place. Mm-hmm. And, it just proved to be too much for them to handle and they had to give the dog back. And, and it was like heartbreaking for them. But I also think, you know, it's, it's what you can handle. And if right now you're kind of not vibing on being able to handle it, do not do it.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, totally. Did you, didn't you have someone on your show? Was, was, Was that friend on your show that talked about, um, I thought I remembered listening to a podcast about um, pet adoption. Maybe it was a different podcast.
1: Oh, um, actually, I did have a – Different friend. Jenna. Jenna – well, it was a different friend that gave the dog back. That friend actually was on the podcast, but he probably would not want me to say that he gave the dog
0: back. Yeah, no, that's totally fine.
1: But I did do a podcast about pet adoption.
0: Yeah, I'll link to that. With
1: uh, Jenna from Shy City Fashion, and she – Kept both dogs.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I remember that. So I knew it must not have been her, but I thought maybe she like got a third or something. Um, but no, that was a great podcast. And really, um, thank you for <laughs> making me have this intention now. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I would love if you could talk a little bit about adoption and kind of what that, that process was like. And, and like you said, kind of at the, the drop of the hat, I remember we were emailing back and forth about, you know, setting up our meeting for this and just you weren't, you were unsure of like what this would be like, you know, and, and having to, like we said, have your life change at, at the drop of a, a hat. So can you kind of talk about that process and, and what it was like emotionally to go through?
1: Yeah, of course. I mean, the first time that we were emailing and I said I wasn't sure was my husband and I were actually in a match. And and I'm going to throw out these terms and then I'll briefly describe them just in case. Because okay. I feel like I know these terms now and people will probably. But we were in a match, which means a couple had chosen us to adopt their baby. Cool. And what happens is in, with an open adoption, because we have an open adoption, you basically you make a book about yourself. It's kind of like a cool little book with photos about your life. And at the adoption agency, if a couple comes in, they choose from the books of the families that are open to their situation. So, for instance, we were open to any race. So if a black woman came in, she would get to see our book. Whereas if a black woman came in and there was a family that wasn't open to that baby, she wouldn't get to see their book. Got so. It. The only books that are shown are people that are open. So we were on a map. Sorry, can I ask
0: you a question? I want to just clarify something. So when you – how talk me through, like, when did you guys decide that you wanted to start this process, like, timeline? So that –
1: okay, I I can never remember how many years I've been married or even (laughs) what year I graduated. So uh, it was – I'll just say that the – deciding that we wanted to do it, it took about – Nine months, eight or nine months to actually take all the classes. and you have To take
0: a bunch of classes?
1: Yeah. So, so we went through this adoption agency called The Cradle. And you have to – I mean you have to put your – you have to go get your fingerprints done and those have to go through the FBI database. You have to have background checks done on your financial history. Like you – every – and that's what they tell you in the first meeting. They're like, if you have any secrets, tell your partner now because <laughs> – everything's going to come out and they told us stories about how this one guy had had a whole bunch of violations for soliciting prostitutes that his wife never knew about and like that came out Oh dear! so it's like everything comes out so did you guys
0: know for a long time that that you wanted to adopt was this something that you always knew you wanted to adopt instead of having a, a child or did you i
1: yeah i knew that for sure, from a very young age, I never wanted to be pregnant. It was just something that I never wanted and and yeah. I have endometriosis, so right. a lot of people think I adopted because I have endometriosis, but that is not the case at all like I just have never wanted to physically give birth
0: yeah
1: and and so, yes, so I knew forever I wanted to adopt Dan was cool with it so so we so i I have told not, not this full story, but I was still on the fence, again, because I love my life, blah, blah, blah. But Dan was, like, ready. So he took me out to dinner. He had made this baby presentation that – he works in advertising, so it was a really cool, funny presentation. Oh, my gosh. That's
0: so cute. (laughs) The presentation – like Don Draper.
1: Yeah, exactly. Except without the cheating and drinking. Yeah. But uh, (laughs) he – yeah, so he made this presentation, and the presentation was very factual about – the process of adoption, the cost of adoption. Wow. I don't know if you know, but in Illinois, and this is similar in other states, you get a, a huge tax credit for adoption. So you see that big number that it costs, but then you actually get like it's a $13,000 tax credit that you get back. So he presented all of this information I had no idea about. And I left that meeting and I was, that meeting, it was a meeting. I left it and I was like, okay, okay, okay. But then we went to my dad's house. He made a good case. (laughs) Yeah. He made a good case, but I wasn't a hundred percent sold.
0: Right. Okay.
1: And we went to my dad's house for Christmas. This is like a month later. And I was with my family and I was with my dad and my, just everybody, we were playing games and all of a sudden it, oh my God, I might cry. It all of a sudden it like hit me. I was like, "Oh, Dan wants to have a family. Aww. Like, <laughs> he doesn't like want to just like have a baby. Like, he wants to have a family. Like, this yeah. is what he wants." And so, we got back from Christmas, oh, and we were sitting such a on
0: beautiful story. <laughs> we got I'm back tearing from... <laughs> up.
1: What <laughs> <laughs> so am I? We got back from Christmas, and we went into our. We were sitting on our bed, and I was like, "Okay, I'm totally ready to do this." So we went to an adoption agency. The first one we went to, I really did not like at all. In fact, like I hated it, but he was like, let's just try another one. So we tried another agency and it just felt like, oh my God, this is like the right agency for us. So then, yeah. So then you just start the process. You have to take classes, like CPR classes, like I said, the FBI background check thing. And then you take other classes, like what it's like to be a conspicuous family, which means having a child that doesn't look like you and what to say when people ask questions and how to care for a child that has drug or alcohol, Um, like the birth mom did drugs or alcohol. So you have to take all these classes. And I mean, does it really need to take nine months? No, but it's a lot of these classes are only offered like every two or three months. So that's kind of why it takes so long. And then you create a book about yourself and then birth moms are able to choose you.
0: That's amazing. This is the first time that I've ever teared up on the podcast, so <laughs> oh. that's the <a> first. <laughs> and that was just – I wasn't expecting to at all. Like, I was just really curious because I have really considered adoption um, for, like, my path in life. And so I was really curious, and I think that not a lot of people know about the process. So I thought it would be really cool to talk to you about Um So thanks for being down to, to talk about it. And it's so interesting. It seems
1: scary. I don't, it's not scary. It seems scary because lifetime movies and media make adoption seem like the birth mom's going to come back and steal the baby or it's just going to be this awful experience. And it's not, I mean, every adoption is different, but, it's not as scary as the media makes it out to be.
0: So you guys have an open adoption. So that means that the birth mom like will be involved in, um, Sid's life or yes. Yes. And
1: that similar to Christmas at my dad's house, like that was another huge aha moment for me was going into it and thinking open adoption was completely stupid. And, and I had such bad very negative feelings about it I even went as far as thinking like I'm not going to be a babysitter for someone and they still get to be in this kid's life and like just really approaching it in a stupid way not stupid because maybe some people still feel that way but we were in the class about open adoption and I'm not kidding you all of a sudden this like light bulb clicked in my head and I thought oh you're sort of being a bitch because this has nothing to do with you. This is all about the baby. It's the baby knowing where he came from. It's the baby mm-hmm. not questioning, you know, when he's have to wait until he's 18 years old to, like, figure out who, who he came from or what his story is. And it's, you know, if you're in contact with the birth mother and something pops up, a uh, health or medical yeah. thing, like, you can actually say, like, yo, does this, did this happen in your family? Or right. right. So – you know, and every, every open adoption Smart. is very, very different. And, you know, when you and I were first emailing and I said, okay, I might be adopting a baby. I don't know if I can be on the podcast. That adoption ended up falling through and our, our open adoption with that family would have been completely different than the relationship that we have with Sid's mm-hmm. birth mom now. Like that, that that open adoption, they didn't want contact with us after the birth. They said that eventually maybe when the baby was three or five years old, they would want to see him again, but they didn't want to co- have contact. Whereas Sid's birth mom, like she, I mean, her and I text. like, Like she'll like say like, like, on Thanksgiving, she texts me. She's just like, I'm so thankful for you. Aww. Happy Thanksgiving with, like, some emoji hearts. And, you know,
0: it's just we have a Good very – relationship.
1: Yeah, it's like a perfect relationship. She and I, you know, it's not like we're best friends. But I just – I consider her part of our family. And I Aww. love her a lot. And we'll see her probably twice a year because, you know, she's she's still in college. And she's got her own life. And, you know – I don't know. She she told me that she feels like oh here's crying number two. Yeah. She told me that she feels like she doesn't feel anything maternal towards him. She says that she was a vessel so I could be a mom.
0: Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! It's so it's just such a great story. Um.
1: So anyway, she's a she's like one of oh, the most it, like. Yeah on the planet and i just like am so thankful for her and just i know this sounds weird but i'm so thankful that that other situation didn't work out because like it makes me like crazy to think about sid it's someone in someone else's house because he's like our baby yeah (laughs) like he's like our son it's like i cannot imagine like any other son.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's so amazing. Do you think that you guys will adopt again? Um, I don't know. If
1: if we do adopt again, it'll definitely be an older kid, probably, like, a two- or three-year-old. I really, really, really lucked out with the Sid Bear. Like, he He was such slept. a chill baby, right? Yeah. Like, slept as soon as he came home. He is so, like good. And Dan and I didn't have to experience any of the crazy, like sleepless night things. I don't know if I want to chance it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Like I did the baby thing once and it went awesome. I don't really think I need to do it again. Mm -hmm. And I just think that again, like there's tons of kids out there that need families. Like I, someone else can have a baby. I don't need another baby.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much for telling that story. I think that's such a cool um thing to talk about because I I haven't really heard it talked about um at all in like podcasts and just in general other than like the way that the media portrays it so I think it's good to get a real life perspective on it
1: yeah I am I really it's it's a tricky thing because in my heart part of me wants to become an adoption advocate but at the same time do I want Sid to have that spotlight on him that he's adopted? Does that make sense? Like, like does he need to always feel like there's my mom again, talking about adoption. Like I kind of just want to be like the kid that's their kid. It doesn't have to be like the adopted kid. So
0: yeah, that's a really kind thing to think about before making that choice.
1: Yeah. So I I feel like I'm really pushing it hard, but as he gets a little older, I don't really know that I, I want him to feel like he always has to think about the fact that he's adopted.
0: Yeah, and obviously he will know because of the, the open adoption. You'll have that conversation with him in a mindful way. Was that something that was covered in your um Oh, yeah, classes? we took a
1: lot of classes about that. And, I mean, the funniest thing is, is at the adoption agency that we worked with, I, it was pretty – like 90% probably going to be a black or Hispanic baby just from, you know, the statistics of who's adopted through the agency. And then, you know, so we take all these classes about what to do with a baby that doesn't look like you. And then we get a baby that looks exactly like my husband. It's like (laughs) the most random thing ever. It's really crazy because he's half Mongolian. And my husband, when he was a baby, looks straight up Asian So so it's weird because now people say, oh, my gosh, he looks just like you. And you don't want to say, well, he's adopted. But at the same time, it's like that's not actually true. And
0: that probably wasn't covered in (laughs) class.
1: No. And that's what I told my that's what I told my counselor. We just had our last home visit because you have to have three home visits after the baby comes home. And I told her at our last home visit, I'm like, you guys need to have a class about what to do when a baby looks like you,
0: yeah, <laughs> not
1: just a class about what to do when a baby doesn't look like you.
0: <laughs> yeah. That's so funny. I remember even like as a kid and people start to like look for that. Like I had a um, a friend growing up and she was adopted, but um, in like different nationality than her parents um, or yeah, her adopted parents, obviously, but I would still, in my mind, be like, oh, her dad has dark hair, too. So, like, like I think, like, she <laughs> right. was black and her parents were white. But I was like, oh, it's probably, like, she just came out looking that way. Like, right. you know, like, yeah. you're just, like, and I I just didn't really understand. And I remember, like, because I didn't know she was adopted at first. And so, like, you just start, and it's like, you know, when you hang out with the same, like, girl, two girls hanging out together who, like, both are blonde. Eventually, people are like, oh, are you guys sisters? It's like, no. Right. But, like, people totally. who are next to each other, people just like start to associate it's weird so yeah
1: yeah it is but I mean he does look just like my husband so so and it's it's funny because people that know that Sid is adopted are very cautious about saying that he looks like him like Mm -hmm. they think that I don't know people don't know what the boundaries are for adoption like Mm -hmm. they don't strangers have no boundaries strangers will (laughs) say the most like asshole things in the world, but But people don't really know what the boundaries are. I think sometimes about what you can ask and what you can't ask. So I like that you're asking all these questions because I will tell anybody what they want to know. But I think sometimes people are a little bit nervous to ask about them.
0: Yeah. This is thanks for letting us go here because I think it's an interesting topic. Like I said, that just isn't covered that much. Yeah. Um, I love that. So with being an entrepreneur and being in in charge of your schedule you know what it what is being an entrepreneur and a mother kind of taught you about your life and and how you design it and and what's your favorite part of your life as as you're living it right now
1: um i think that like on on fridays and this is something i just discovered recently mm-hmm. on fridays on tuesdays and fridays i'm home with sid we have a nanny share Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, which I highly recommend. Nanny shares are the best. What does that mean? So a nanny share is when you have another family that you share a nanny with, mm-hmm. and so Just I like love how it, it.
0: sounds. <laughs> yeah,
1: I know, but like no one knows what it is, so don't no don't think that uh okay. <laughs> so yeah so so he goes to someone else's house where the nanny is and so what's awesome about it is a it's like a lot less expensive because you're not just paying for one nanny for yourself you get to split the cost with the other family and also then he has someone else to play with yeah. and he gets to be engaged with another kid almost like daycare Yeah. But like a much smaller scale daycare. Yeah. So, and that was when we were looking for a nanny share, it was, you know, it was like the only nanny share we were open to is if he went to someone else's house because I work from home. Like I can't have a nanny plus two kids in my house, but yeah. So he goes there to the nanny share and then on Fridays are, our like big day together. And when he was at home on Fridays up until two Fridays ago, I was still trying to do work. And I would, you know, he would be playing and I would be checking emails. And and I just kind of noticed that when I was doing that, he wasn't trying to get my attention or fussing. But he just didn't seem as happy because Mm. I was not engaging with him. You know what I mean? Like You
0: weren't present.
1: Yeah. And like how – anybody in your life how bad does that feel if like you're excited to be with some yeah and they're on their phone or whatever so I've made a decision that on Fridays if that means that I work on Saturdays or Sundays that on Fridays like that is our day together and yes when he takes a nap I will shoot some recipes or I'll do what I need to do but when he's awake I'm not trying to do both things and I will say that it's not only made him happier, but it's made me a lot happier too.
0: Yeah. I love that. That's what a, you know, nice thing to do and, and to have that awareness and then make the shift.
1: Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's, it's Fridays are so much more fun now.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and it's something to look forward to and really have that time together that can hopefully be yours, like as he grows up too. And that's the thing with being a parent, you know, as you, as, he grows, you know. You guys grow together, and you're you're just constantly going to be shifting and changing the way that you guys interact with each other as he goes to school, and um, you know, and, and your time will always change. But you're never going to be where you are right now ever again. So you might. As well I know. Enjoy it. I know. He's so sweet. <laughs> yeah. Aww. I love. I love hearing about it. It's so great. <laughs> um. All right. So now I want to ask you. Um, so you do a lot of speaking? And Mm -hmm. I would love if you could talk about kind of some pre-speaking rituals or any tips that you have for public speaking articulately on a topic that you're so passionate about.
1: Well, I feel like I do. I feel like I do some speaking, but I think I do more. I mean, I guess it's still speaking when you do like recipe demos and things like that. Yeah. Um, I guess my biggest tip, which is not a good tip, is I don't really prepare that much And that's a great
0: tip (laughs) because
1: I mean, like when I spoke at Apple, that was, that was the craziest because first of all, that was one of the first times I've ever spoken just myself. Like it's really different when you go on television and you have someone interviewing you and you kind of riff off of one another, or you're doing a cooking demo and you're explaining something. But when Apple says you have 45 minutes to talk about whatever you want, that is the longest forty five minutes ever. <laughs> so I definitely planned for that one. But all the other things I do, like I just I don't know, if like I'm headed to New York next week for some presentations and meetings and my agent wanted to give me all of these like they she wanted to practice. I was like, I no, we cannot practice because yeah if I practice, I'm going to get too in my head about what I need to say or what I should say. So I guess my biggest tip is just kind of wing it.
0: (laughs) I love that. And i found that that's definitely been the case for me as well. Like I have an outline and usually just, um, just throw it away and, you know, have it with me. And sometimes I like look over it and I'm like, Covered that cover that cover that but I went totally out of order and when the content that you're sharing is so a part of you you just want to pull it out organically not in this like controlled way of being where you're um you know really speaking from a script because everyone can tell that so I think that's great advice
1: yeah thank you and
0: yeah I yeah
1: and I think too it's it's Really, and I'm sure you do this it's it's looking out to your audience or looking who you're actually talking to, and if it's people that are a little skeptical of you, then maybe you really dig yeah. in on the humor or you kind of get to them what they're going to like yeah but if it's if it's a room full of people that are really into wellness, then you can kind of reach into the choir yeah, exactly, so it's kind of gauging your audience too.
0: Yeah, one hundred percent, and that's something that you know—it's like reading the room. It's something that I actually learned in my teacher training for yoga. Was you know, if you're teaching a um, advanced class on the schedule, but you know, ten beginners show up, like don't teach the class you were like thinking you were going to teach. Yeah, that's silly. exactly.
1: That's so, a perfect way to describe yeah, it. So
0: that really, that really helps me, you know, in elsewhere too. Um, Which I love. So now I want to ask you my signature questions and this is like my favorite thing to ask people because it really gives me um, a nice picture of kind of what their life is like currently. So I would love to talk about your morning routines. Maybe you could share with us like the first few things when you get up in the morning and how your morning affects how the rest of your day goes.
1: Well, I don't know if you want some sort of picture-perfect thing, but mine is no, not going to okay. No,
0: I love real, 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 real.
1: Okay, well. It makes us I, all
0: feel good about ourselves in real because we're I get all it. No one has a picture-perfect anything.
1: Well, but I feel like a lot of people say that they do. Exactly. And sometimes I'm That's like, do, I, do
0: you really do that
1: every morning? Is that every
0: day? Yeah, totally. That's why this is great.
1: Well, I would say I would say 90% of the mornings I wake up – I say, I'm going to make a green juice right now, and then I don't. I decide to check email instead, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then I do always drink a huge glass of water with a probiotic. That's like something that is a non-negotiable. Giving your
0: insides a bath. <laughs> exactly.
1: And then comes the morning ritual of the poo, which yeah. is just like – to me, I, I hope it's okay we talk about no, poo on this, it's but like,
0: like... – my favorite thing to talk about. Okay. <laughs> the <laughs> shittier the better. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Cause like a water with a good
1: probiotic and just like, once I've had that, like, it just flushes out your system and I'm like, Oh, I'm ready to go now. So, so yeah. So, so then I'll just, um, I mean, I really, this might sound disgusting, but I don't usually take a shower until the middle of the day or sometimes at night because sometimes I just feel like the shower. I mean, if I have a meeting, yes, but if I'm working from home, I'm just the kind of person where sometimes I just want to like get into things. Yeah. And I, so yeah, so I'll wake up, drink my glass of water, probiotics, start checking emails. And then I would say around like nine is when I actually have breakfast because I just don't really feel hungry till then.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, And then if I do have a meeting, I'll take a shower.
0: I'm a nighttime shower myself, so I don't find that gross at all. Yeah, it just, I don't know.
1: It just, it's, I think it's, it just comes down to a managing time thing. And I, I I don't, I think it's, I don't, I wouldn't say it's a flaw of mine. It's something that I would like to work on more is that I definitely put work before everything. And a lot of times it means work before working out or work before trying to meditate. When I say trying, I've not really mastered that quite yet. So it's something I'd like to work on better is when I wake up actually doing something for myself rather than doing something for someone else.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that's important. You know, you can't give what you don't already have. So, so really giving to yourself in the morning is, um, but that's hard to do. Totally. Totally. It's
1: so hard sometimes. So yeah, I'm trying to be better about that.
0: No, that's, that's awesome. And I think even just, you know, that that morning time for you, that's non-negotiable with like drinking your water and just like during that time, like being like, all right, this is going to be a good day. I'm going to have my poop. I'm going to drink my water and then, <laughs> yeah. and then getting into it, you know? Um, yeah. So no, that's awesome. So what about in the evening? What are some things you do to shut down from work and relax and wind down? Maybe the last few things you do before bed?
1: Well, again, probably not that wellness wonderland. I really like watching TV.
0: (laughs) I do too. I don't even have a TV, but I love watching YouTube, so I make up for
1: it. (laughs) Um, No, I I definitely I always, you know, I make – Sid goes to bed at 7, like pretty much on the dot or sometimes 6.30 every night. So, you know, put him to bed, make a delicious dinner, and then – Watch some TV with my husband, and then go to bed and lay in bed and listen to podcasts. It's that. like it's like all I, I like. Look forward to the getting in bed and listening to podcast part. And I mean, and the podcasts I listen to again are not really Wellness Wonderland ones. They're like really sort of like about like NBA and hip hop and stuff. So it's uh, yeah. Are so you a big think-
0: basketball fan?
1: Yeah, I'm a huge NBA fan, and, like, right now is the uh, the, the playoffs have started. So there's a couple podcasts that I listen to about the playoffs.
0: That is so cool. <laughs> that is so cool. It's what like else my... do you listen to? Tell me tell me more. Because I listen to a, 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 a wide variety of podcasts myself.
1: I love um... Mike and Tom Eat Snacks, which is – The first time you hear Mike and Tom eat snacks, you think this is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Give it one more episode and then you'll like it. It's just two comedians that have this like – they have kind of like alter ego weird selves and they just eat snacks and then rate the snacks.
0: Oh my god. That sounds amazing. (laughs) Yeah.
1: But it's like – it's a very, very weird, weird podcast, which I love. I also listened to How Did This Get Made – Which is just uh, three comedians talk about some of the worst movies of all time and how (laughs) it was possible that that movie actually got made.
0: That's hilarious. Yeah. (laughs) What a cool concept.
1: And then I love the right reasons. I love everything on Grantland, which is primarily kind of a sports. Uh, It started by Bill Simmons, who started 30 for 30.
0: I've listened to like – he's interviewed some people that I love. Like I listened to him interview – Lena Dunham recently. And yeah,
1: it's, yeah. I, the whole Grantland channel is awesome and really so, good.
0: Yeah, yeah. So
1: on Grantland, there's Right Reasons, which is a podcast about reality shows. So I listen to that, and then Jalen and Jacoby is the NBA one that I listen to. And I'm telling you, even if you're not really into the NBA, it's still a good podcast.
0: Yeah, and doesn't he have one called like the No BS Report or something? Yeah.
1: So so the BS Report. It just stands for Bill Simmons Report. But that one is on, um, too. And it used to just be about sports, but now he's interviewing yeah. celebrities. Yeah. yeah, which
0: I really – I, would like, actually, I thought – I I think he's a fantastic interviewer, and I thought yeah, the conversations awesome. were really, really awesome. And do you
1: know that 30 for 30 documentary series? No. Okay, so 30 for 30 is this awesome documentary series. There are, all of them are pretty much on Netflix, and – they're just some of the best documentaries ever made. And the series started, it was 30 documentaries by 30 different directors. Mm-hmm. And Bill Simmons started that series.
0: Oh, cool.
1: And he's also just a really cool guy because he, he didn't, is. He didn't, I don't know if you know this, but he didn't find his career path until his 30s either. Like cool. he was like bartending and just like kind of sports writing. And now he has this entire media company and started 30 for 30. So he's a really interesting man.
0: Oh, cool. Yeah, I really genuinely liked him as a person as I was hearing his interview style. And I I really like to listen to all sorts of interviews just to like develop my craft and like learn from. And I was very impressed by him. So I'm excited to check him out. And that's really inspiring that he found his career later in life. I love people like that, you know, because it's so often we hear about like, you know the Taylor Swifts and these people right. who are just like, you know, they're like twelve and like doing what they're meant to do, and it's like amazing. But, yeah, um, but it's really nice to hear different stories like that, and it's really inspiring to, to other people, which I love.
1: Yeah. So big shout to uh, Grantland. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> this is not sponsored by them, but <laughs> if sure, if you if they want, <laughs> um, this is yeah, this is great. So okay, so what are you doing in your life? That you're afraid of, but you're doing anyways?
1: Whoa. (laughs) That's a big question. (laughs) Um, I, okay, fine. So next week I'm going, and I don't know when this podcast is airing, but next week, okay, me telling you this is what I'm afraid of. Okay. How about that? Okay. (laughs) So next week, I, (laughs) (laughs) so I, I have a, I have a book proposal and it went out last Monday and there are 15 publishers that are interested. So I have 15 meetings next week in New York with publishers and I'm terrified that I just told you that because if it doesn't work out, (laughs) then I just told you something that didn't work out.
0: Well, it so I'm is blessed. going to work out, and you hear, heard it here first, folks, and that's amazing, and it's, I think that everything happens for a reason, so if it's not this, there's, there's something better, and your book will get out to the world, because you're amazing, and it has to. I think about 15, it's like, I'm not
1: even necessarily scared about, it's just the quantity, like yeah. that's, 15 is, that's, a, like if you think hard. about putting, it's not even like... It's, it's more about the fact that, like, that's going to be an exhausting three days because yeah. I'm going to have to be, like, on, 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 15. on. Like, it's going to be sort of, like, really, I think, in, like, a cool way. But I think it's going to be kind of draining energy-wise yeah. just because, I don't know, you have to appeal to each type of person, too. Right, like we were like talking
0: you, about with the speaking kind of.
1: Yeah, like you can't go into each meeting. The
0: same. You have
1: to be yourself in every single meeting, but you also have to gauge – them too.
0: The yeah, read the room. So
1: anyway, I just told you I yeah, I'm not scared of the meetings. I'm scared that I just said it out loud and it might not happen.
0: Well, thank you for sharing <laughs> it and it's definitely going to happen. It's amazing and cool to like witness your journey and that's Okay, well, thank you. So cool. Yeah, no, I love it. Um All right, let's wrap with some quick fire questions. Ready? Okay. 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 Okay, just say the first thing that comes to your mind. Okay. Favorite color?
1: Green. Oh, favorite. that's not my favorite color. Oh, Why did I whoa, say that? Whoa.
0: <laughs> Rewind. Favorite color. Black. Okay. Favorite day of the week. Sunday. Favorite hour of the day.
1: Oh, noon.
0: Favorite vegetable. <gasps>
1: Ooh, God.
0: Cucumbers. Nice. Okay. Favorite fruit.
1: Grapefruit. Right now. But strawberries classically are my favorite.
0: Okay. Um, so you're going on this big trip. So what's your favorite travel snack?
1: Uh, Justin's almond butter packet.
0: Ooh, so good. Um, <laughs> nut butter is just like everything yeah. to me. <laughs> favorite meal you've eaten recently?
1: Uh, anything and everything that I had at Gracias Madre, specifically uh, the salted caramel nut brownie.
0: Oh, my God. Don't even. <laughs> I, it sounds amazing. Um, okay. Little scenario for you. It's like the evening. You get home from a long day and you're, you're pooped, but you're starving. What do you eat slash make? What do you do? What happens?
1: Starving, if I have it, which I always have these ingredients, I'll make some form of pesto, which generally just – and this recipe is actually on my site. I make it all the time. It's just cashews, basil. Uh, some nutritional yeast, and some veggie broth. Just blend that in the blender, and then I'll pour it over something, whether it be like brown rice noodles or veggies or something.
0: Yeah. Because it takes two seconds to make. Yeah. Oh, that sounds amazing. Um, Favorite way to relax?
1: Talking to you on this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) No, it feels relaxing to me. It's, It's
0: our chill voices. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, when do you hear your intuition and the most, and and how do you remember to listen to it?
1: I think I feel. I think I hear my intuition the most when shit gets past the time it needs to get past. If that makes sense, like, like I'll go too long and start feeling bad. And then my intuition will kick in. Versus yeah. kicking in before it gets bad. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah. It's kind of like a SOS tuition. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: It's kind of like, okay, this is why you're feeling this way. Now scale back and start over again.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Like a um on the GPS, like a rewrite. Exactly. Or yeah. Yeah. And it
1: sometimes I don't I don't I don't I internalize things so much that It really has to get raised to the surface before my intuition sometimes checks in.
0: Yeah. Sometimes the pot has to get stirred before you can kind of, yeah, rustle your feathers and then figure it out. That's great. Um, So you do so much in your life. You're a mother. You're an entrepreneur. You have a book in the works. You host a podcast. Like, the list could go on. So doing all this rad stuff, how do you stay organized and fully show up for each part of your life? You kind of talked about this earlier, but any practical tips on on staying present and also getting so much done?
1: Um, I I don't know. There's I think most days I don't think I get a lot done. I mean, I I really I'm a freak like that. So I think that I have a million checklists that I write. I always write them on the back of envelopes for some reason because
0: my mom does that too.
1: Yeah, it's like just junk mail lying around so I'll write them down. Uh, and and I think to I guess this is just a recent thing. Recently, I say to myself, it's okay if you take a break because I don't like taking breaks. And I think that recently in order to be more effective, I've been allowing myself to take breaks and not feeling any guilt over it. Yes. Like yesterday, I my friend invited me. We got to go to see April Bloomfield do this like private cooking demo and it was a wine tasting and it was during the day. And I had so much guilt like thinking about saying yes to that. And I was like, you know what? I effing deserve to go to this because I work like seven days a week. I'm allowed to take two hours out of my day and go drink some wine. So lately I've been trying to stay more organized by not being such a freak about work.
0: And not beating yourself up about it.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: That's amazing. Um, Okay. If you could have a superhero power for a day, what would it be?
1: Uh, to, um, super Okay. It would be to be able to feed everybody that needs food. Mm-hmm. <laughs> is that a power?
0: Yeah. That's a great
1: one. Okay. I like love that. it just, yeah, I want everyone to be able to have food.
0: Mm, that's beautiful. Um, what is your favorite recipe you've ever created?
1: <sighs> These chocolate chunk cookies. They're like, <laughs> It's like every time that I make them, I actually like feel really proud of myself because they're really, really good. And I feel like I'm still such a new cook in the kitchen that they feel like the thing that actually tastes like something that I would buy. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, I love that. Yeah,
1: so they're they're really good. I I've like had them.
0: experiences like that where I'm like, oh, my God, this is good and not, like, just for me. Like, other exactly. people would like this, too. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, because, like, I think a lot of things are good, um, especially if it's, like, high-quality ingredients and, like, really healthy. But um, to bring that to, like, my family is another story. So, exactly. Yeah. Like, these are cookies I that – anyone would
1: like so i feel those are also on my website so i feel proud of those
0: yeah you'll have to send me that link so we can put in the show notes um favorite movie
1: oh gosh i i'm gonna have to say i can't say i have a favorite movie i don't like watching movies more than once Mm -hmm. so i would just say my favorite documentary type are romantic comedies oh, and me documentaries.
0: Too. Me too. <laughs> yeah. Both of them.
1: Combine. I mean, it's like those two. That's all I want to watch yeah. ever.
0: Same, same. We can have a movie night. Okay, But we do differ because I, I there's like a few movies that I could watch like a billion times over. Like it's a, even though I can like recite them.
1: <laughs> yeah, I just you know what? I have seen Hungry for Change a million times. I will say that that's one movie I can watch more than once.
0: Nice. Um. OK, favorite book.
1: Boo. I really love the book Daily Rituals, and it's something I've probably talked about before. It's like – and it's not – if people hear this, it's not like a daily ritual like meditation thing. It's just straight up how famous people, artists, and how they – what their work ethic was like, or not their work ethic, but their, how they worked during the day, like you know, did they take a lot schedules. of drugs? Mm-hmm. Their schedules, like, did they wake up at four a.m. and that was the only time that they could paint? Because I think reading that it gives you a lot of comfort in knowing yes. that these great artists did weren't a lot of them couldn't function in a nine to five, yeah. Like, and I and I think that that's really inspiring.
0: And a lot of people, um, you know, just have different ways of being and it's yeah it's fascinating. I've heard so much about this book but I actually haven't read it myself. So Oh my god.
1: Get, I'm, and and because yeah. and the coolest thing about the book is it's something where it's just little tiny page stories. Right. So you can read one every morning yeah. as like you're You know what? That was my morning ritual. When you asked that first question, that's what I did every single morning. I would read a page from Daily Rituals until I ran out of them. So I need to get a new book like that.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I do that too. My friend, she was just on the pod, but um, she wrote a book about feng shui, and um, it's 108 tools to, like. Fung and i just read one a day and like i do the one tool it's kind of like a little scavenger hunt i really enjoy that oh yeah and will my, you send me that yeah for okay, sure in and the my, show notes yeah and my okay, mentor cool. um gabby bernstein has a book called um her most recent book is called miracles now mm-hmm. and it's 108 it's also 108 um tools for like more Flow like less stress and like a better life. So, also you would like that too. So
1: awesome, cool, yeah,
0: Yeah, for sure. So we got you hooked up. (laughs) (laughs) You Um, know what's
1: funny is I met Gabby because she is friends of one of my friends from like the old school New York party days.
0: Oh my gosh, small and so
1: we. I went out to dinner with her for a couple of nights when she came to Chicago, and it was like so random because my friend is not in the wellness world at all. Yeah, and she was like, "Hey, do you want to come out to dinner with me, and my friend Gabby?" And I was like, uh, "Yeah, that would be kind of cool to, to dinner with Gabby."
0: Cool, that was amazing. <laughs> That's so cool. Did you hear her speak when she was in Chicago? Yeah, I
1: actually i went to um, I went to hear her speak too, and she she was touring. It was a speaking thing for that yeah, book. Yeah, so, last year, so, right?
0: Yeah. Uh huh. Cool. Yeah, yeah, I was going to um, – I ended up not being able to, but I was going to drive in for that talk that day. Um, that's so cool. Small world. Yeah. So what are you most excited about? You might have already spoken about this, but what are you most excited about in your life right now?
1: Uh, work-wise, I'm really excited to start monetizing my podcast. And that maybe that's a gross answer to about money, but no. I just feel that – when you start a new business, it's you don't make money at first, mm. and I'm just really excited that I'm going to be able to actually start monetizing it, and so I've built this really killer media kit, and cool. big tip, build your media kit on Squarespace because – all my – traditionally, I always used to do my media kit as a PDF, and it was mm-hmm. such a pain in the ass to update, but I just made my new media kit in Squarespace, and it's a game changer. Oh,
0: that's amazing. So, yeah, so I'm really excited to monetize the podcast,
1: and I think people are going to be okay with it because I'm only going to work with brands I think are cool.
0: yeah. And it's just an exchange of – you've been giving away free content for so long. It's just an exchange of value. All right, final question that I ask everyone. As you know, the name of my blog and the name of this podcast is The Wellness Wonderland. So when I offer that term to you, Jess, to live in a wellness wonderland, what comes up? What does that mean to you?
1: I mean, I have visions of me swimming in clear water and like mm-hmm. <laughs> but that's not always a reality. Um I think it's just I don't know. I think living in my wellness wonderland is just getting to take care of myself and take care of the people around me because like I said earlier Sometimes I don't make the green juice in the morning and I do emails instead. So I think the true wellness wonderland for me is just like, just like putting myself first and by putting myself first, getting to put the other people in my life first with me. Does that make sense?
0: It makes perfect sense. And that's such a beautiful answer. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that and everything else you shared in the episode. This was a ton of fun getting to hang out with you.
1: Thank yeah, you. Yeah, you too. Thank you.
0: Thanks, everybody, for listening. Thanks for listening. You made it all the way to the end. I'll be back next week. But until then, let's stay inspired and keep this conversation going. So tweet at me, at Katie Dalebout, and our guest with your aha moments from this conversation. And like the Wellness Wonderland on Facebook so we can all hang out there and discuss how inspired we are and how we'll apply it in our daily lives. And never miss another episode or post from me by signing up for email updates on thewellnesswonderland.com. See you back in Wonderland.